0: This is the in Focus Podcast from The Hindu. Welcome to The Hindu's InFocus Podcast. I'm Zubeda Hamid, your host for today. Social media was abuzz recently with a controversy over bone Vita, a product that most of us have probably had as children. This sparked a discussion around all of the processed and packaged foods that are now widely available and consumed in the country. How healthy are these foods? With a lot of these items, it's not always easy to understand their nutritional content going by the ingredients. The Food Safety and Standards Authority of India, or FSSAI, is now considering introducing front of pack labeling, a regulation that will involve all brands indicating if their products are high in salt, sugar or fat right at the front of the product. Several countries around the world have brought in such regulations in order to make consumers more aware about what goes into various products. So, do our processed and packaged foods contain too much salt, sugar or fat? Are unhealthy eating habits contributing to obesity, diabetes and heart disease? How much of salt or sugar should we be consuming on a daily basis? And do we as a country consume too much? We explore these issues and more with Dr. Vandana Prasad, a community paediatrician and public health professional associated with the Public Health Resource Network. Good afternoon, Dr. Vandana Prasad and welcome to the Hindus in Focus podcast. Thank you. Dr, the recent controversy over Bonvita and whether or not it contains too much sugar to be healthy has ignited discussions about how healthy our packaged food
1: really is. Could you give us an overview about what is going on? Well, as I think most people uh, living in the country are aware that our food systems are undergoing a fair amount of transition uh, in the last few decades and uh, various shifts are happening in the country with respect to what we consume. Um, and one of the issues that has, that's uh, of concern at this point of time is the rising consumption in uh, packaged, prepackaged foods, which also occupy a certain spectrum. So, you know, processing is something that most households now in the country use themselves at household level, but also we buy a fair amount of processed foods, things like, which are staples like bread or milk or butter uh, and things like that. But there's also... Uh, a further kind of processing for many of the foods that are considered uh, uh, less and less health- healthy the more and more we process them um, and the the kind of the tip of the iceberg or the most unhealthy foods are therefore the, the ultra processed foods which uh, typically have high fats or salts or sugars. So these are also called um, junk food in some sense. So HFSS is the terminology that we tend to use. So high fat, sugar and salt uh containing foods um and the basic concern is that these rise these give rise to uh overweight and obesity which themselves are forerunners of non-communicable diseases uh like heart disease like uh, diabetes hypertension strokes and so on and uh, that these are now rising in our country as as uh, as the causes of ill health and also of deaths.
0: So, Doctor, what is the recommendation for daily sugar and salt intake? How much is consumed by the average Indian? And are we, in general, consuming more than what is healthy for us?
1: So, I think that that's a difficult question to answer like this because um, all these things depend on who you are, where you're placed, what kind of work you do and so on and so forth. But if you look at the NIN, uh, you know, handbook for all these things, the National Institute of Nutrition, they give you daily limits for everything. And uh, what is more clear is, or perhaps what is easier to tackle for lay public is what would be considered dangerous amounts of um, sugar, salt, and fat. And so WHO has set standards for that. For example, in any food, uh, if you have more than uh, 10 grams per 100 grams of sugar, then that's considered unreasonable amounts of sugar or high sugar. Uh, if you have um, more than, say, one gram of, salt, uh, of sodium per kilocalorie, then that would be considered too high an amount of uh, salt and so on and so forth so those uh, limits would be there for most micronutrients but just now we're tending to focus on the most uh, obvious and the most dangerous ones which are fat sugar and salt and uh, as far as daily limits go like I said they depend on your your own body size and weight and your occupation and we should really I mean I'm a I'm a general doctor not a dietitian and not a nutritionist so the general advice would be to be moderate in all these uh, 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 foods and uh, to be moderate in salt, sugar and fat consumption and to have a, have a, retain a focus on eating fresh foods as much as possible, uh, uncooked, unprocessed foods as much as possible to make sure that there's enough fiber in the diet. So these are the general kind of uh, instructions that one would give one's patients, for example, or the lay public, for example, rather than talking about numerics of, uh, you know, what the daily limits are because they create uh, a fair amount of challenge uh, for many of our, uh, you know, people, especially since in our uh, our country we have a large amount of people who are not literate or semi-literate. So we have to go with broader principles of understanding what good nutrition or balanced meals would be. uh, And um, these are also not very difficult to adapt to. Uh, but yes, if you want to know exact, uh, you know, daily limits, then you would just need to go on a website from NIN and, and just look at the, the, the numbers over there.
0: This entire controversy has also sparked this debate about what should our food labelling look like, doctor. So the Food Standards and Safety Authority of India, (FSSAI) has been discussing bringing in front of package labelling in which all the brands will need to show right at the front of the package whether the food is high in fat, sugar and salt. Do you think this is an important step to educate consumers?
1: Yes, very important because this exactly ties in with what I was saying earlier that uh, we already have, it's compulsory for all foods to label Mm -hmm. and to tell you what their nutritional content is. So the question you asked about, you know, knowing your daily limits and so that would mean that a, a person would have to calculate first their daily limits then look at the food label, then calculate all, from all the food that they've eaten, how much they've eaten and what it adds up to and then see whether they've eaten too much as compared to what they should be eating, which is really not fair and they're really not expected from the layperson. So, it's the front of package labeling that assists people to take decisions about eating right. Um, so, they would inform people in various ways that this food, be careful because this food has too much of this or too much of that, so typically too much of fat, sugar or salt. And there would be various means of doing that rather than uh, putting it in the in the person's own lap to figure it out and to do various complicated calculations to see whether they're eating more than what their prescribed daily limit is. So it's that's what the front package labeling does. It's a people-friendly mechanism of informing people um, whether they should be concerned about eating too much of any particular kind of food and that's what's highly desired.
0: There seems to be some pushback on this though, doctor, in terms of right now, uh, what what are the current regulations and are they being implemented properly? You said we already have regulations in place to show what the nutrient values should be, but they are not right at the front of the package, correct?
1: They're not right at the front of the package and they're not, uh, they're not uh, written out in a way that would be easily understood by anybody. I think that that's what I was trying to explain that if you were to, for example, try to calculate how much of uh, sodium you've eaten throughout the day by looking at the the labeling on each and every food that you have consumed, that's an impossible task. I mean, it's, you'd spend your whole day trying to tackle that even if you were, a, uh, if you, even if you were an expert on, on, on nutrition. So uh, what the FOPL does is simplifies labels to enable you to take decisions. So it's very important. As you said, there is a pushback. I mean, we don't have any regulation currently to say that we must have front-of-back labeling. Uh, that is something that has been demanded. Now, there is a draft amendment that has been brought out by the FSSAI. Unfortunately, the draft amendment talks in terms of, there are various kinds of FOPL. So, there are at least five or six types of FOPL that people have experimented with. And um, in India, we have been, some of us have been demanding from the public health point of view, we've been asking for what is called warning labels. The warning labels are very simple. They just give you a warning to say too high in fat, too high in sugar, or too high in salt. Or, you know, more than one component being too high, you would have one, two, or three warning labels on any food as as, uh, required. So, but what the draft amendment is uh, actually talking about is a star rating. Uh, It's a composite rating, which is in this case being called the Indian National Rating, INR, um, which will give a rating of half to five golden stars. It's a bit problematic because uh, STARS are considered, uh, you know, good things. So even the worst of foods, um, you know, something that's considered completely junk food, like a a sugary soda beverage, for example, even that would get some STARS rather than getting a warning label. So that's the problem with the STARS as a method. Uh, Whereas really, if you're concerned for public health and concerned that people should know very clearly uh, what is good for them and what's not. And a warning label would seem to be more appropriate from that point of view. Of course, the industry would prefer uh, not to have warning labels uh, because they're rather stark and they're rather clear-cut. And uh, the concern is that uh, the sales uh, of these products would diminish. But that's, unfortunately, or fortunately, that is what is needed from the public health point of view. We do need the sales of these products to come down. So we think that warning labels would do a better job on that. And there has been experience in Latin America that shows that they do work to bring down consumption of the foods that we're trying to reduce consumption of.
0: That was going to be my next question, Doctor. There is research to show that warning labels work in terms of changing consumers' eating patterns.
1: Some research at country level. So, for example, I think uh, you would find that there is some work from Chile, from Mexico, uh, from some of the other Latin American countries. So work in progress because, as you know, NCDs are the more recent uh, kind of um, poor health phenomenon that the world is now experiencing. Uh, In India, it's relatively even more recent as compared to the Western world. So I think that we should certainly learn from the Western world what has worked, what has not worked. Um, And there is some evidence to show that providing warning labels has cut down on people's consumption of these products. Of course, it all depends a lot on consumer education and the law is not a be-all and end-all of all solutions. Nobody would think that also. But um, that is what we can do in public policy to help people to make the right right decisions.
0: Ideally, what would the warning label have, Doctor? It would show you what? Your fat, the sugar and the salt?
1: Yes, I mean so it would be like some uh, in some countries it would be a red triangle or a red hex- hexagon uh, and usually pictures are used so that again it doesn't depend mm-hmm. on being be, people being able to read the language because in India for example what language would you use um, considering that there's such a diversity of language so it should either be in the local language or we can just use pictures to depict too much salt, too much sugar or too much oil and it's like a, any other warning label, I mean like you we know that we have warning labels, for example, on tobacco products. So it's something like that. It's it's a, it's something that would stand out at the front of a pack uh, as a warning. Doctor, speaking about
0: tackling uh, this in terms of a public health challenge, the latest National Family Health Survey has pointed to an alarming level in the rise of obesity both among children and among adults. Yes. How much of this can be attributed to unhealthy he- eating practices?
1: A lot. I mean, the the major determinants of this is uh, uh, unhealthy diets, lack of exercise, uh, the changes that have happened in our working conditions and workplace, urbanization, but also globalization, also the fact that internet is available, uh, also the fact that there's a great market penetration and advertising of these products everywhere. Even in the deepest of rural areas, we see that uh, these companies have penetrated these areas they're marketing and marketing successfully there's a huge amount of advertising some of it is misinformation some of it is uh, you know using uh, icons of public figures to kind of promote these goods so there's a huge number of reasons for this to be happening all contributing to um, a great obesity in the country and a general lack of I would say nutrition awareness also in our population we are this conversation is happening to some extent among some people, but not sufficiently amongst the general public uh, about what comprises good food, uh, uh, what is good, what is bad. There's a kind of almost a blind um, aspiration to be eating things that, you know, for example, the upper classes and the middle classes are eating or the people in other countries are eating without being able to analyze that uh, in terms of, you know, what really is good for us rather than good for some... Uh, Big food company, and uh, you can see that the consumption of I mean there are this data to show that consumption of uh, uh, sugary soda beverages has gone up a lot, and uh, consumption of things like biscuits is very high. So these are the uh, I would say that yes, diets are one of the major determinants of the rise in obesity.
0: Research shows that a majority of process the processed food market in India is concentrated in tier two and tier three towns. Would you say that the problem is becoming more acute here, uh, doctor, and what would traditionally be considered places where you actually get more healthy food because, uh, you
1: know, fewer supermarkets, etc.? So, currently, that is the trend. I mean, even if you look at obesity and NCDs, currently, it is the middle class in India uh, that is suffering more from from, uh, these diseases. Uh, But when we say research, research itself, is sometimes a bit skewed. And I think that there is a lot of research coming out from rural areas, from tribal areas, that is suggesting, I mean, I was just talking to um, somebody from ICMR, Bhuvaneshwar, and they were saying that they studied tribal communities and they found 50% hypertension in tribal communities. So I think that there is new research uh, coming um, that is more representative of the Indian population that is suggesting that there are high levels of non-communicable diseases in uh, our tribal communities. We ourselves, I have some raw data of about eleven to 12,000 uh, rural, mostly tribal women, where, of course, undernutrition was still the uh, highly prevalent, very highly prevalent. And that continues to be the major problem. But 4% were also overweight and obese. So it's not a small uh, percentage now you know, with rural India catching up, with a lot of the poor in, in our country now being urban poor. A huge proportion of the uh, poor themselves are now urban poor. Uh, And uh, this is a growing problem, which is also being seen as a growing market for the food companies. So what is a growing problem for us is conversely seen as a big, naive, uh, huge, you know, uh, untapped market by uh, the companies that are selling these products. So I don't think one should be very complacent about the fact that it's uh, even if it is only limited to tier two and tier three, uh, you know, towns and cities is not going to remain like that. And I, as I've said, anecdotal evidence, I mean, most of my work is in tribal and deep rural areas. Anecdotal evidence suggests that uh, these products are definitely then the smallest of markets in the in the tiniest of hearts. And uh, children, especially children and young adults are uh, consuming them in, in uh, you know, uh, in quite a drastic manner.
0: Dr. Indians have also been found to have a tendency to accumulate many fat and have a Higher propensity for diabetes. Is this, is this also a danger with regard to our consumption
1: of processed and ultra-processed food? That's absolutely true. We do have a genetic predisposition to what we call central obesity, where your uh, waist-hip uh, ratios are you know, uh, more than one, where you have uh, more abdominal obesity. And this abdominal obesity, as we know, has a, a correlation with uh, NCDs in the future. So more diabetes, more hypertension and so on. And this is something that we genetically have as a population, possibly because uh, as a country we were more used to undernutrition than having a surfeit of uh, food. And uh, genetically we were tuned to accumulating fat you know, for periods of famine or periods of food insecurity. Now the same population doesn't suffer anymore from famine or food insecurity, but it takes some time for our genes to adapt to that. So. Um uh, we are in that phase-like period where our social context has changed and our dietary context has changed, but our genes are still to catch up with it. And so we have a special problem. And that's why when we uh, use cutoffs in BMIs, for example, we use uh, lower cutoffs for in the Indian population uh, because the concern is so much higher.
0: Circling back to our regulations uh doctor would you say that the FSSAI has been dragging its feet with re- uh, with regard to implementing uh these they have brought out these draft guidelines for front of package labeling but nothing has happened since then
1: you see the FSSAI seems to be struggling with the in the contestation between uh the needs of the the general public and uh, what is being demanded by public health experts therefore and what the industry might Uh, be pressurizing it to do which is to not take such stringent measures so uh, it has been dragging its feet uh, to some extent because this conversation has been happening since uh, around 2014 and uh, we are now in 2023 and we still haven't proceeded with it but at the same time the legislation that they have the draft that they've brought out is not something that would assist us anyway Uh, Because, it's as as I said, it's still talking in terms of health star ratings rather than warning labels. Um, So, in some sense, industry has uh, uh, won a few rounds, if I may say. Uh, But the final uh, settlement hasn't happened yet because the draft has not yet converted to an act. And we are hoping that uh, continuing uh, conversation with the FSSAI, continuing uh, dialogue with all stakeholders and Continuing advocacy from the side of the general public might get FSSCI and others to change their minds about the nature of front-of-pack labeling that they wish to now uh, recommend or bring into law. So we are we are specifically asking for warning labels as the FOPL that we desire, if public health goals are to be met. And we are hoping that uh, FSSCI, if it's taking some time that it would finally come out with the the more desirable option so that's what the the uh, hope is upon fssai but we do know that they are they are having to uh, balance between industry needs uh and demands and what the public health community is asking talking about uh, the
0: uh, industry doctor the uh... Another point that has come up is the is the advertisement of certain things. Now, there is one thing uh, when it comes to junk food that people automatically and instantly recognize is junk food or processed food. But when it comes to something that it calls itself, for instance, a health supplement or a health drink, that is slightly
1: different, correct? Yes. So advertising needs to be looked at uh, or looked after by a separate set of laws um, because... Uh, labeling is one thing and advertising is another now currently we have the food safety and standards act 2006 uh, which says something about uh, uh, advertisements and says shall be made of any no advertisement shall be made of any food which is misleading or deceiving or contravenes the provisions of this act but unfortunately it doesn't uh, specify what misleading means now to come to misleading we have to come to another act a different act which is the consumer protection act cpa of 2090. And this defines it as uh, something that falsely describes such product or service or gives a false guarantee. Now, in the Born Vita, uh, you know, discussion, for example, there was a sense that it was giving a guarantee of, uh, of immunity, of growth, of uh, cognition and things like that, uh, even of, you know, how much maybe protein or whatever you would get in a day or how much uh, of uh, 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 good nutrients you would get in a day now um this is a uh, this is basically using various loopholes within laws because when we uh, when we actually look at it the born vita is talking about born vita plus milk now the product is not born vita plus milk the the product is simply born vita so why should it talk about born vita plus milk and then talk about things that would happen if you drink it with milk uh, in terms of attributing that to Bonvita, Vita. No, th- this is not really correct but uh, if they say it like that you can't really catch them by the laws that exist because they are just stating a fact that if you bring Bon Vita with milk you'll get so much protein out of it or so much uh, goodness will come to you from that because they're basically attributing the goodness of milk. So it's like saying if I take a very extreme example it's like saying that oh this is a uh, uh, I'm selling a masala that you should sprinkle on your egg every day and eat it and therefore the, you will get 10 grams of protein every day now the masala doesn't have even 1 gram of protein uh, but because you're saying eat it with egg uh, you can afford to say you'll get 10 grams of protein every day now you know it's basically depending on uh, people uh, not really having the skills or the awareness to analyze what is being said cleverly said So unfortunately, this is how people are getting away with things. uh, By using broad statements that are when you actually go to the nitty-gritty of research that are not really research that are speaking specifically about uh, that particular product uh, or the gains or losses from that particular product. So we need better laws? We do need better laws. And I think more than the better laws, like I, I would think that even a product like this would not escape Uh, the laws because the spirit of the law is very clear but who is to take them to task i mean who would take up the struggle of fighting a very very big company a very rich powerful company and others like them who would do that spend their whole life you know uh, fighting it out so i think what we need even we do need better laws we need tighter laws but we need very very uh, strict monitoring of the laws which we're currently not getting I mean, for example, we have a very good law in the IMS Act, which is a unique law which India brought out, uh, you know, in its wisdom, an excellent act. But we don't have any mechanism for its implementation. Really, it depends on NGOs putting up complaints, uh, you know, against it. Uh, but we don't have a system of tracking violations. We don't have a government body that's really sitting on it and making sure that uh, these laws are uh, followed. So that's a problem, I think, with the current uh, system. There's no monitoring. But I think it's it's happening now. I mean, we should look at the positives. This kind of debate that has happened is a good thing entirely, and public pressure will uh, certainly enable uh, some of these laws to come better into play. The other thing which I wanted to mention, which is happening cleverly, is that uh, there is no law to prohibit, uh, you know, the the contents in any variety within a pack. So the same uh, brand selling the same product in a country which has more awareness and better laws would have lower contents of sugar, salt and fat. Can you believe it? I mean, like this is something that most people don't re- realize. That the same soda beverage that is sold in a Euro- European country with better laws will have less sugar than is sold in India. The same product, same company, same brand. That is pretty shocking. It's shocking and, and they get away with it because they know that in India There's no objection happening just now. Why have they cut it down? Because there the consumers became wise and they stopped taking those products. So they they were forced, the companies were forced to cut down on the level of sugar, for example. But in India, they know that they can get away with it. So Indian, the same product for product, the same uh, brand, the same product would have higher contents of these uh, troublesome, unhealthy things than they would in other countries. This is how, you know, what tells us that how regulation can be effective and how public uh, pressure can also be effective. Thank you so much for speaking to us today, Dr. Thank you, Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.